they say third time's a charm, except for this guy's been charming every single time. Our guest today is Maddie Mullins of Memphis Mayfire. We get into a couple different things with Maddie. Mainly, we talk about their two new songs, which are called Death Inside and Blood and Water. We talk about why it's not cool to be cool anymore and what it was like to come back and play a show to a ton of kids after the pandemic. Uh, It's been a little quiet around here lately. I mentioned this last couple episodes, but my book Name Dropping came out last week. Uh, You can also hear me as a guest on the Bad Christian Podcast, as well as Patio Slave, Keep It Posy, Having a Blast. I got to do a whole bunch of podcasts for the book, which was super exciting. Uh, All of that is available at my Instagram at Name Dropping Book. You can, of course, follow at Godspeed Podcast. And Memphis and Maddie, Maddie Mullins, Memphis May Fire, they're that big that they get those names on Instagram. You knew that. So yeah, that's what's kind of been going on around here lately. Uh, I'm stoked on it. The book came out last week. It's getting positive reviews so far. Uh, If you want to know what it's about, it's kind of just gets into everything that is involved with being a music journalist and being a podcaster and a publicist and a manager and all these different things in the music industry. So people have been liking it so far. um, And man, yeah, I'm so excited that it's finally out. It's been a really, really long time coming. So again, you can follow at name dropping book on Instagram to check out some of that stuff. I'm also doing these massive, massive giveaways, a lot of books, uh, band merch, all kinds of stuff. So if you follow the Instagram, I'll be posting contests on there as well. But really what we're here for is Maddie Mullins on the show for the third time. Great dude. Great interview. Enjoy. Cool. I just saw, um, well, just over the last week or so, it looks like you just had your first show back within the last week or two. Yeah, dude. Crazy, man. We went from no shows for like two years to playing this festival that sold 35,000 tickets. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, did you, did you feel nervous? Like, was it like the old days or was it just like right back in the saddle? No problem. I was mega nervous. Yeah. Really? Like we, you know, we had a series of rehearsals beforehand, but even that it's like having not been on stage in a couple of years, you just forget what it's like. And so I didn't know what it was going to feel like or look like or anything, you know, just like going into it. And then, uh, one, like the second we stepped on stage, it felt like we had never left. So, uh, and 35,000, you said, <laughs> yeah, 35,000 tickets sold. I sure, mean, that, sure. there wasn't 35,000 <laughs> in our crowd, but it was still, yeah, it was massive. It was huge. I mean, and I have to imagine, I mean, you guys have such an awesome fan base already, but yeah, like I haven't been to a show yet. I mean, it's been, yeah, it's been a year and a half. So I haven't been back to my first show yet. And I keep thinking, what's that energy going to be like? Fans have to be nuts. Bro, it was crazy, man. Unfortunately, they had like a no moshing rule at this festival. Mm -hmm. So we could just get them jumping up and down, moving around a little bit. But I mean, it was still, it was still wild. That had to just feel like, like a renewal too. I mean, if, if this whole thing hadn't happened, like there wouldn't be many reasons that a band like you guys would take a year and a half off. So to be totally. forced to take a year and a half off and then to come back, I mean, it's got to feel like, okay, well, maybe there was a reason for this or maybe we have this, yeah, renewed sense a little bit. We do. I, you know, I was just talking about that in an interview the other day. It's like, I think that the the level of gratitude that, you know, bands and fans are going to have moving forward is something that we never would have had had this not happened. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, I don't think anybody's going to take anything for granted anymore. It's like, even like, you know, sitting in a, humid porta potty at this festival i was just like man this is awesome i miss i miss i miss warp tour you know what i mean oh yeah um like everything about it you know from catering to golf carts to buses to stages to equipment to fans and interactions and just like everything it was just 
Mm. It's like, man, okay, I remember who I am now, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge thing. I mean, I, I didn't even tend to kind of get into this, but you kind of just sparked that idea of, I, you know, identity. I mean, that's bands and, and music and stuff. I mean, it's a nice thing nowadays. I do feel like a lot of people, and I know you do too, but just have diversified a lot and have a lot of other stuff going on. But if that's kind of your whole jag all the time, I mean, yeah, I feel like that you'd kind of have to sit down and be like, okay, well, who am I if I if this gets taken away? Yeah, dude, it was it was crazy for sure. I mean, we did we had a lot going on, you know, while we were home and especially, you know, making new music and everything. But I mean, you know, having done this for 15 years, it's like without that part of your life, you really do feel like something's lacking for sure. So, yeah. Did you I know you're from Spokane. I'm from Portland, you know, very similar. Did you get to spend some time back in, in the hometown at all or did you kind of stay put where you're at? Yeah, no, we went home for Christmas. Uh, that was cool. And um you know, we had like, uh, I think maybe one other trip up there. I'm trying to remember. And then we're going back up for Thanksgiving as well. So yeah, looking forward to it. Spokane's changed a lot. I, I, I was up there only, I mean, probably about two years back now, but I hadn't been there in a few years and yeah, I feel like it's, it's changed quite a bit, man. It's crazy. Every time I go home, there's something like new and cool. And I'm like, why couldn't any of this stuff been here when I lived here? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, there's like all these rad new restaurants and downtown looks like a whole new place. There's like, you know, have you, have you been to, um, What's it called? I'm trying to remember. Um, it used we it, you, the nickname for this area used to be called Felony Flats, right? And it was like an extremely dangerous part of town that nobody went to unless you had to. And now it's oh, I'm blanking on the name, but it's like this incredible new development with all these like five star restaurants and oh, new housing and everything. That's Crazy awesome. man. I know yeah. that someone just told me the other day that the Boo Radley store closed down, like that toy store that was really famous. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I, even <laughs> even even all the years I lived there, I never saw a single person go in there. So, oh, that's so um, funny. That's not shocking. I thought that was the cool. As a visitor, I thought that was. I, I hung out there two or three days that I was there just because I I was there for a, a competition thing with my wife. So I was just oh, stuck nice. kind of walking around town, and yeah, I was like, oh man, thank God I found this place. But yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Now it's good. There's like an Apple Store down there, and like a big Carhartt, and like all sorts of stuff. Man, it's so that's, wild. Oh, it's awesome. Well, yeah, you mentioned the the new music, Death Inside and Blood and Water. Why why these two songs? I mean, this is coming off of a year and a half of, you know, silence in a lot of ways. How do you come out, you know, guns blazing with these two? Why these two songs? Yeah, I mean, do you just mean like lyrically or like or what? Um, yeah, I mean, what what did these two mean to you? Why and yeah, even let's say lyrically, why choose these to be kind of the return? You know, we have kind of this uh big master plan to how the next few uh, like a long time is gonna is gonna come together you know like mm-hmm. I can't I can't say a whole lot but um sure. but yeah we, you know like going through the writing process and having these songs come together the way that they did um we were just so excited about it and we wanted to roll them out in a way that felt um like it was kind of telling the story of what was to come mm-hmm. and so yeah it's it's definitely um the, the, all the songs are not uh, like concept songs as far as them all like fitting together, but the whole idea of what's going to happen is a concept for sure. So okay, and I, I've been reading a couple different people have been saying that Blood and Water uh, is a return to Memphis roots. So would would you agree with that? And and if so, when at what point did that happen? Was that was that a conscious thought or no? Yeah, I think it was conscious and also very natural. I you know like I think going through a pandemic it's pretty natural to want to write aggressive music. And so, you know, we definitely did rediscover some of the angst 
from when we were younger, you know, and when we were starting out, um, you know, our last full length album broken was very much like a radio effort. It's something that we really wanted to break into. We were excited about tapping into that market and being able to expand, um, in a whole new way. And, and so doing an entire record that way, I think a lot of our band, a lot of our fans felt like we had abandoned, you know, how we had started and what people had gravitated towards us for. And I think we learned a lot through that. We had some success at radio, which is awesome. And, you know, develop new relationships that are going to be lifelong relationships. Um, but at the same time, um, we realized that that core part of how we started and who we are as a band was still living inside of us, and we wanted to let that out. And so that's uh, that's what this this uh, body of music is. That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, it's for people that grew up listening to you guys or or listened through their twenties and early thirties, like me. It's I feel like a I don't know. I, I would love to hear what you think of this, I guess. I feel like it's, a lot of bands are maybe they're growing up with their fans. So as much as, you know, I'm, I'm 35, I think we're around the same age, um, having a lot of sort of like nostalgia throwback uh, opportunities, emo night, stuff like that, that the bands that we grew up with are looking back to a little bit, looking back to what what did I feel like when I was 20 and I was trying to make it and write songs, you know? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, what's happening right now is a resurgence of rock and roll and metal and hardcore and like emo music. Like it's all, I think that's coming back in a big way because the, the market for that with Warp Tour and with all the new bands and everything was so oversaturated that it was like, nobody knew what to, you know, what bands to listen to or where, you know, like it was just, it was, there's too much happening and it just got monotonous and it got redundant and it got you know overdone and so i think a lot of bands kind of breaking away from that doing something a little different and then fans realizing oh man like i moved on from all these bands and i'm listening to post malone now but like (laughs) i miss i miss what that band was to me when i was younger and if they put out music like that then i really think that it would bring me back to that season of my life and so we did um we uh we really wanted to we wanted to to kind of rediscover that era of our band. And I think that we've learned so much and we've grown so much since then that it's, you know, not only is it kind of a, you know, a a tip of the hat back to what we used to be, but also in a whole new and in a much better way, in in my opinion. Well, and you mentioned sort of when you, you know, you put out a record and you want to aim towards radio a little bit more. I feel like now that's not, it's, that you know that cry of sellout is not as uh, dominant anymore that yeah i hope not i mean i, <laughs> I think it's funny man i think pe- people get so stuck in their genres that they mm-hmm. listen to that they almost start to rob themselves of other things that are great and i we talked about this in the last interview i did as well like just if you're not if you really are like repulsed by something that you hear musically or whatever you just like don't have to listen to it yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to like you don't have to tap the thumbs down on YouTube. I think the thumbs down on YouTube is the funniest thing ever. Like I would never mm-hmm. in a million years like go to someone else's like art that they created and been like thumbs down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not it's like me. you know, yeah. if you if you don't like it, you definitely don't have to listen to it. No one's making you do that. Um but if you, you know, are willing to see things from the artist's perspective and saying like, "Oh man, like they've been doing this like I listen to this record once a week." But this band wrote, recorded, and toured this record for years of their lives. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to want to experience something slightly different. And uh, and so, yeah, man, it's just um, it, it's a growth thing for us. We're excited to be in the season that we're in and also 
bringing people back to the, that nostalgia, bringing people back to that era of their lives with the, with the new music that we're putting out and doing it the best we've ever done it. You know, it's, it feels really good to, to be Memphis Mayfire right now. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, just, just from these two songs, having them on repeat the last couple of days. Yeah, I think you're there. And it, it reminds me of the hollow, which is a special record. And I think the, to be able to, to do sort of that throwback a little bit, but without it sounding just like, well, they just, you know, copied what they did 10 years ago. To have that still fresh flavor, I think you guys nailed it with these two, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'm really excited for everybody to hear what else is to come. Yeah, and I mean, I just to go back to the, I mean, I don't know. It's funny because, I, like I said, the sellout thing and the thumbs down, all that, you're right. It's it's very silly. Um, I'm curious, though, I guess, if did you do you read comments do you read you know reviews did the negative does the negative stuff get to you do you, do you take that with you into okay we yeah we should you know try to steer away from this next time how do you how do you block that out i you know i mean we it definitely like negative comments or or anything like that is is a lot less impactful than it was in our younger years because mm-hmm. at that point it was like these were our peers that were like you know, you suck or whatever. And, and now, now it's like, you see that and you're like, okay, well, this person is uneducated, you know, like this person is, you know, like they, they haven't seen and done and experienced all of the life that, that we have as a band. So to them, that comment is literally just an attention grab or something that they left and they walked on and didn't think about it ever again. And then to the artist, they're like, oh my gosh, I have to rethink my whole life now. This, yeah. you know, this kid eating Cheetos in his parents' basement, like he said this about me, you know. Um, and so, no, not at all. I mean, we do really respect our fans in a big way, and what they have to say does matter to us. But it's not our fans are not the people leaving those comments, and they never have been. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an excellent way to look at it. I I remember asking um, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, same type of thing, and, and he goes, I, he goes, after a while, I just started to say like, where's your album? And you're like, yeah, that kind of shuts it down. <laughs> I mean, did, yeah, you, did totally. you put all this work into it? No. <laughs> totally. And I mean, do we, you know, you learn a lot from, from the, all the, the positivity and the negativity. You learn a lot of, of just people's kind of like train of thought and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it, every single record we've put out has been a new learning experience and a new, you know, growth pattern for us and a whole new flavor of something that we got to try and see if it worked. And, and that's just like the life of a band. And so, you know, we're a, a metalcore band that is seven full length albums deep at this point. And that's like unheard of, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it's just like, we're going to have, it's going to be ebbs and flows. It's going to be ups and downs. We're going to experience new stuff and try new stuff and see what works and have fun doing it. And, uh, and that's it, man. It's just the, the rest is whether people want to listen or not. Yeah. And I think I, I want to say that you guys are in a really good position where, I always want to. I always want to think that if a band, if I have a band that I really like, and I, and especially if I really like the people and respect the people, that they're more so dictating. In a sounds funny, but dictating in a way what I should like. You know, if I'm a huge yeah. fan of of Switchfoot and they do something kind of different on their next album, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't feel like saying, "Oh, all right, I'm done with these guys." More like, "Oh, like if if I already respect these people, have been following them for years, maybe this is something that." I, I might adjust myself. I might adjust my taste because they yeah, put I mean, something, something out. They that can take in. you even deeper into the heart of the artist, you know? And mm-hmm. I mean, that goes two ways. It's like, it can either be that, like, this is, this is an expression of ourselves and this is exactly where we're at. And this is what we wanted to give you. Or on the flip side, which this has happened with us, you know, like we worked with the wrong producer mm. or, you know, like we, we wrote songs with somebody and we shouldn't have written, written songs with those people. And then we were on a deadline and, and we had to put music out and we had already spent the money and it was time. We were like, all right, well, 
this was the best we could do with what we had at the moment. And we were confused a little bit, you know, like there's songs like that too, you know, mm -hmm. like there's songs that we aren't proud of. And, and it's, so it, it's, it's all of the above. I think it's just, it's up to the listener to listen to it and, and feel like, okay, this takes me to a new level with them or, Hey, this isn't for me. And, and one way or another, like no one's forcing you to listen to anything, you know? Yeah. So it just kind of works out. That seems to be the constant argument of just saying, no one's making you listen to this. You know, if you don't have something yeah. nice to say, you know, move on. It's fine. Yeah. Nobody's mad yeah, at totally. You. Um, I got to get into the worship stuff a little bit. I, I sent, uh, when I got approval for this interview, I sent a text out to the false star dudes just saying, I was, you know, I was having you on for a third time and, you know, how can I make this a little more fresh? What would you guys want to talk about? And so we got into that discussion about your worship stuff and somebody made a comment that I don't know many people that could bridge the gap between being in this huge metalcore band, um, and then go do something on BEC, something very worshipful and CCM style. I don't know if that's sort of a bad, bad word these days, but, uh, I, yeah, I thought Maddie's someone has, who has bridged a gap between those two things, if that makes sense. How, how do you view those, like those two projects of yours, I guess, living together and what's, what's next for that side of things? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like special at all. Um, I, I feel like anybody could do it if they wanted to. I think most people just don't want to, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I, it's, I think it's very rare for somebody in my, uh, position to have a love for both genres of music, you know, like mm -hmm. they're so, it's so polarizing how different they are. Um, but if you look at the trajectory of my life and how I was raised, it's like the first 13 years of my life were Christian music festivals. I was raised on Jars of Clay and Newsboys and Audio Adrenaline, DC Talk and Mercy Me. And I, and so that is my roots. Like I, I, I would never get into an interview and be like, you know, man, like the first song I ever heard was Metallica. Cause that's right. not true. And it's like, that's cool. Like, uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it sounds much cooler to the general like listener to say like, I grew up on Slayer than it is to be like, I grew up on DC talk, right. but the truth is I did. And so Christian music still has this huge part of my heart and it's not just the format. It's not just that like Christian music format is mainly aimed towards like middle-aged soccer moms. Right. Cause that's the truth. Right. Right. It's, it's not, it's not that that I love about it. It's the impact that it has and it's the foundation. It's the message in the music. And so I still find myself going back to Christian radio and loving Christian radio and wanting that to be a part of my life. And I just felt like at a certain season in my life, God was like, Hey, I gave you this gift of music and I want you to find a way to just give it right back to me. Hmm. And so I, I wanted to, to try it. And I put out a, a solo record and it was absolute trash and just like trying to figure out what it even meant to do like a solo record and mm -hmm. something that would live in the CCM world. And then I moved to Nashville and I just learned a lot more down here. And and I would say that some of the most like life giving musical moments in my life have been sitting in those rooms, writing those songs for my solo stuff, you know, especially yeah. the last two that have, that have come out. And, um, I, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. I don't think that I'll ever tour on that project. Mm -hmm. Um, just because Memphis is, has always been, and always will be the, the priority in my life. Sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that rely on it and I love, I love being in this band. I love the music. I love our fans. Um, but for people that do appreciate my solo stuff, which is honestly like a lot of not Memphis fans, a lot of people that don't even know who Memphis is and don't even know who I am, but they hear the song on the radio. It's like that format is so much more about the song than it is about the artist. Yeah. And so there's so many people that have been touched by these songs and the message in it, and they have absolutely no idea who I am. And I think that that's the most beautiful thing ever, you know? And so I'll, I'll keep doing it for them. 
Yeah, and those songs. I mean, I went back this this last week and listened to those songs again, and yeah, they're great. I think I think we all hit an age of you know where it wasn't cool anymore, or you grew out of it. Was I, I know I use that phrase a lot, but coming back to these songs and then have even having this podcast and getting to talk to people like Kevin Max from DC Talk or some of the Newsboys guys, um, and and just being old enough now to not have that sort of like yeah, but it's lame. No, you don't have that mentality anymore. You're like, yeah, these guys are freaking legends, man. They've been around forever. They they got to know a ton about the industry, a ton about music. Like they don't, those guys don't get enough credit. So it's interesting being an adult now, not caring about the coolness factor as much, and just being like, man, I yeah, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be working at Warp Tour, or doing you know these types of interviews if it wasn't for these dudes who are still doing totally. it. You know, uh, dude. The older I get, the one thing that consistently stays the same is that I care less and less about being cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I would definitely not consider myself someone that like the internet thinks is cool. Like I am like, com- you know, very committed to my marriage. I have a Yorkie. <laughs> I, you know, like live in the suburbs and I write Christian music and I'm also in a, you know, in, in a metalcore band. It's like that. It's like not very cool. So <laughs> I just, I'm not really concerned with, with being cool and I, and I and I love that. I love like the freedom of just being like this is me and uh and you can listen to the stuff I write if you want and if you don't then that's totally fine like yeah. I'm 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 where I am supposed to be and there's a lot of peace in that, you know? Oh yeah. And I mean it yeah, that was a huge I think for a lot of people but I know for me a huge turning point of just like man this this is exhausting to care this much about stuff that I know deep down doesn't matter. Um and it's you know it becomes it's cooler to not care <laughs> kind of thing so. Yeah. Uh well Totally man. We'll wrap up with this, even though it's it, it might get uh, this might not be a wrap up type question. But I was I was watching some old interviews uh, with you. There was one from about 2017, but you kind of talked about you know waking up one day and kind of figuring out, man, I've met these big goals and I have all these things that I want, but I'm not happy. And it was sort of a you know your your faith renewal moment. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, a few years removed from that, you know, that decision or sort of that turn, it's easy to have that fire early on, you know, when you, when you make those decisions, but you know, now a few years down the road and you're still going strong with, with all your creative stuff and you're still meeting bigger and bigger goals. What does that fire look like today? I mean, how, how do you keep that exciting and going every day when you're like, yeah, like I'm still hitting those goals. I still have all those things, but how do you, how do you keep that new? If that makes sense. Man, I'm, I'm kind of a strange creature when it comes to like goals and goal setting and, and, um, I guess like, you know, the five year, 10 year plan kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I I don't, I'm like the least competitive person I've ever met. Um, <laughs> in, in, in a perfect world for me, like everyone would be winning all the time. And that's awesome. Like I just, I love, I love to see my friends succeed. I love to see my peers succeed. I love to succeed. I love all of it. And, um, and I just want like everyone to be happy. Like I'm an Enneagram, uh, like six wing seven, like uh, very much of my, personality is the enthusiast and I love being happy. I love joy. And I like try to avoid pain at all costs, you know, like, um, and so I, I think that like the goal for me has always been like, how can I be the best that I can be right now in this season? Like I'm embarrassed of some of the things like from a couple years ago that I put out, you know, like musically or whatever. I'm like, how can we be better than that? Like, how can, how, how can I be the best version of myself like right now, musically, you know, like creatively, like, um, you know, emotionally, like everything. And, and it's, it's more of a day by day thing for me than it is like a, 
you know, oh man, I want to, you know, by 2025, I want to be in playing arenas. It's like, it's never looked like that for me. It's always just been like, man, God has given me so many awesome people to be around and to work with and to interact with. And like, how can I, how can I be a good steward of the things that God has blessed me with and and on a day-to-day basis? And then wherever that takes me is where it takes me. And that's, that's always been how it is. Is there, you kind of, you mentioned stuff that you might've put out that you're embarrassed about i mean and you certainly don't have to say but is there are there specific things that you're like man i just wish that wouldn't have come out that way or i didn't have that attitude but what did that look like Uh, i mean like my first solo record for sure (laughs) you know i was like you know like musically and stuff like that but yeah dude i mean like just growing up in the spotlight i mean you can you know like read all sorts of stuff about me like saying like something stupid on stage or whatever it's like you're you're just a kid like you're not even Mm -hmm. emotionally like matured yet and you're like oh what can i do to like make the crowd yell really loud and then all of a sudden like it takes this big turn and you just realize like oh man like i really wish i would have never said that but you can't you can't let that dictate your life like as an adult you're just like oh man like it just happened to be that the mistakes that I made were public. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like everybody else was making mistakes and everybody was doing stupid things and you learn from those things. And without the mistakes that we make, we can never rise from the ashes. Like we have to be able to, as human beings, make mistakes so that we can learn from them, grow from them and change, you know? And so I'm just an advocate for grace. I think that like I've needed it all the time in my life and and everybody does. And, um, I, I I just think that the, the world's most beautiful people, you know, are people who have failed a lot and learned a lot from it and grown into something more beautiful. So that's just uh, what I hope for my life. You know, I'm going to continue making mistakes and and learning from them and hopefully, you know, becoming the best possible version of myself. Hey, I'm not